0: in three two one
1: John, are we, live? we are live awesome welcome to our fifth live wheelhouse show I'm really excited about today's show for a couple of reasons one we got the best cold brew in the country here and we're gonna drink it um, we got Justin Dyer from Kyoto Black on. we got two dudes that are chomping in the bits to talk a lot of crap to each other uh, Brendan Nestor and Joe Phelan They've already started the crap talk for the Real Estate Rebel next week before we went on here, air, so I'm excited for that. We're gonna have some, uh, some Rock'em Sock'em robots. Um, but before we get to that, John, what's going on? You got like a flag in the back. Your background's getting cooler and cooler. You got break, you got a flag, I don't have crap behind. You.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, it's, uh, let me get that focus. Give me one second. And boom, there it is. So real quick, cool story. Uh, flag behind me, Chicago flag as we all know, I don't know if you got a chance to really look at it, it's got a little bit of tatter to it, so to speak, and the reason for that is uh, that Chicago flag was flying over Sloan Park, which is where the Cubs play all of their spring training games all season long, my buddy Tim and his beautiful wife Nadine brought it as a gift when they came into town this weekend.
1: That's pretty- pretty cool yeah
0: absolutely so Thanks. I was like okay so I was gonna keep it home put it by the bar where my Hawks one is and I thought no I'm gonna share it because it's a great story and figure that way tens of thousands of viewers every single week could see it
1: that's right viewers multiply quickly so we can get to tens and hundreds not of
0: multiply of like money. bunnies or anything but just tell your friends and two, yeah. and, two and two and two like shampoo no we, uh we
1: appreciate all the shares and the likes and the comments this is only the fifth one and um, Justin, a uh, second ago, was saying his balls are to go live. We like going live because you guys can interact with us. So I'm watching you guys uh, in the comments section, so we want this to be interactive. So go ahead ask us questions, ask them questions, um, and hopefully during the show, I'll take a look at my phone and be able to ask them the questions you guys have. So I'm done with that. Um, I'm gonna to introduce Justin first. Um, Justin and I have known each other for a while. We started doing jiu-jitsu together, and, um, he started bringing these bottles of cold brew coffee at in, Into Jiu-Jitsu and I'm not a coffee guy. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I mm-hmm. we just don't drink a lot of coffee. And it's the only coffee I drink cuz it's really really good and it's a really cool story and I'm going to let him tell you the story, but it was grassroots. It started in your home, I think, and then now is transitioned into being in a ton of restaurants in Chicago. He won an award this weekend. He's uh, people's champ I like to call it the cold brew contest because the people voted him number one I think some judges that were probably paid off voted in number two but still a really really uh, cool accomplishment because that was a national competition so Justin thanks for coming on thanks for having me um, so when did it start It started like five six years ago seven years ago because you started jiu-jitsu seven years ago
2: yeah so uh, I've always been in the coffee ever since I graduated from college in 2011 uh, my first job was as a barista So And I've just been in coffee and restaurants ever since, but I didn't start actually experimenting with Kyoto style at home until around 2013. Okay, so
1: five years now. Yeah. Um, What made you want to do or brew coffee yourself instead of just staying in a um, barista type situation? What what made you think, I'm going to do it better?
2: So uh, when I first started as a barista, you know I was making you know minimum wage. I was at the bottom level, the total goal as far as everyone in the cafe was concerned, and you know, I kind of felt that way too. And I said, when I come in here, I'm better than all you guys. Yeah. Just watch, like I'm better than the GM, better than the guy who's training me. And in eight months, I pulled it off. Uh, ended up getting a job offer at a different place at next restaurant, uh, and I was just completely. about coffee I got to be put in this this ground of like just crazy chefs just high-level executioners uh, of food and I was able to bring my coffee skills to the table in a place where before I was I felt like I was kind of getting shut down a little bit like I have an idea for this idea for that and it wasn't really getting any traction at this place they were like hey Justin's the coffee guy now so we're gonna kind of listen to him and see what he wants to do and at that time I started doing Kyoto style at home as a hobby because I tried it at a a different uh, cafe and I really liked the texture, the mouthfeel, the sweetness of it. You know, those are big things for me when it comes to coffee. And I was like, I think I can take this and turn it into like the next thing too. Cool. You said Kyoto style, what does that mean?
1: Because I know you have, uh, you studied in Japan Mm -hmm. and it's obviously transitioned into
2: this business now. What does that mean? So Kyoto style is a slow drip style of making cold brew. So the way I like to explain it is you can make coffee Uh, two ways you can either do immersion or you can do drip okay so with hot coffee that would be something like a French press would be immersion where the grounds are floating in the water kind of free and then you use that little plunger to filter it out so you can do the same thing with cold brew too you know you can put cold brew grounds into like a bucket uh, and then put it in cold water let it sit overnight and then filter that out and you essentially got a cold French press drip coffee is just like you know your mr. coffee maker any sort of pour over anything where you hold the coffee inside of it filter and then pour the water through it very slowly you know and the thing with uh, cold brew is because it takes so much time it takes 12 to 16 hours to make it you need to introduce that water very slowly so what you end up having to do is drip it through one drop at a time very very slowly. Wow
1: so that was a real big process when you were doing it at home that must have been a huge undertaking every time you were
2: creating one of those bottles for everybody that must have been a well, it, heavy undertaking. It wasn't too bad because uh, one. Brew would do about four of those bottles. So, okay. this is like uh, about a wine bottle right. amount of coffee. Right. So, I could pull off like four wine bottles at a time using the thing that I built at home. And uh, I just went to the Science Surplus store and got, you know, a separatory funnel, lab just I kind of took the machine that existed already, the existing kiddo style machine, which if you ever go to a cafe and you see something that looks like a large hourglass, it's got like a uh, borosilicate glass, really fine glass, uh, wood, and it's just like this tall tower, that's a kiddo style brewer. So I took the principles of that and just said, how, how can I hack this and make it for $80 instead of $400? Really cool. When you started doing all the brewing, what made you want to do cold instead of hot? Um, it was just the, the, the new thing, I, I felt. Um, I always liked cold drinks. Um, and I think kind of long-term, I saw that cold brew had more potential to be uh, like a consumer packaged good than hot coffee, because it's like you make the hot coffee and then you got a few minutes to drink it, you can't really package it. Uh, cold coffee, you can package it, so now you can take this centralized process and distribute that you know, to everyone, and everyone's gonna get the same experience. And that really resonated with me because of the discussion that's being had in coffee about you know, how do we execute at a high level but then it becomes coming I mean, execute at a high level and then introduce scales scale to that. And for me, the cold brew is just
1: a no-brainer. Yeah, I guess the scaling would be much, much easier with the cold brew. And, well, you, I think you have, you're going to have some samples in a second, but you have those bags of coffee that I've seen you brand. And uh, for the YouTube guys, if you're dealing with realtors and stuff, we got a realtor in our office, Johnny, who at open houses. He takes the Kyoto Black, and because it's cold, he serves it to people coming through. And they love it, and it's become a conversation piece for him at open houses to get people very, very cool. Yeah. He'll put a sticker on it actually. Yeah. Yeah. On the front of the bag. With all this information yeah. he gives in away as a gift, which I guess with a with hot coffee you really can't do that, so you're right. Yeah. You never thought about it like yeah. that. But from a business branding standpoint and scaling, it, it makes a lot, a lot more sense. And you've been mixing it with alcohol and stuff too, right? Because you've yeah. seen some of your your stuff where you're mixing it, mm-hmm. you got some liquor drinks now.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm doing a project with a really talented bartender, uh, David Moore and uh he's the special events director over at Cindy's rooftop and basically me and him connected because he picked up some of my product at one of the places that carries it cornerstone cafe and he was just like oh my god this coffee is amazing i'm going to take every coffee drink that we have now and take the coffee off of it and put keto black in its place and he was like that just made the biggest improvement on the drinks just that little change and i saw he was tagging me on instagram so i was like hey man thanks for tagging me we should hang out like you know i'm gonna
1: I want to mix your coffee, I think, with my Patron, because there's Patron Cafe, and it's just not that good. And I I drive a, it says to with a Patron on the side, so I wasn't a Patron fan when I started, but now everybody gives me shots of Patron, so I've just kind of grown into Patron. So I have a thing of coffee Patron, and I wonder if I just take this coffee and mix it with Patron, if I'm going to be a good shape.
0: There's a great shot called uh, Baby Guinness. Yeah, Baby Guinness. And it's uh, the the real, exactly. Um, you okay. say that you say that to people I've, I've said that to bartenders and they're like so you just want a little thing of guinness it's like no 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 no. it's a thing it's a real thing and they're like oh okay and everybody tries it like even maggie doesn't like tequila a lot of people don't like tequila they try it and they're like oh that's so smooth that's dangerous smooth." it
1: doesn't taste like tequila at all it tastes like like a baby guinness it's like a little a coffee patron and then a splash of bailey's it's really that's awesome, awesome. Yes, yeah, it's delicious yeah, so uh um, me and they were going to
2: investigate these drinks that you mentioned we're not shy. We're not shy. We're gonna have them back on
1: next time once they've like perfected the the uh, alcohol version of this. Fair We're enough. We're just gonna try a bunch of it. Perfect.
0: And up. Uber Home. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, so I've seen you at a bunch of spots because Warehouse Pizza, which is in Lincoln Park, is right around the corner from my office. And I was walking by and I saw the Kyoto Black. Um, sticker in the window. And i was like, holy smokes, he's there. Yeah. You're growing to a lot of different spots in Chicago. What's the game plan for that? Is it still grassroots or are you just, uh, anybody and everybody who wants you, you'll you'll
2: place Koyota Black there? I mean, as long as they are, you know, respecting the product and, yeah. you know, respecting the customers, I'll work with them. Um, I, you know, it's funny because Warehouse was actually my first wholesale client. Really? Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, back in uh, winter of 2015. Okay. Yeah, and, but I've also had Alinea to carry my coffee, you know, I've had a bunch of, I run the range. So really, as long as they're like doing it right, as to what their customers expect from them, I'll work with them if they want to do something cool with coffee. I
1: love it. Um, the cool thing is what you just said, as long as they're kind of respecting the product and the brand, your passion for coffee obviously comes through and it's made you very, very successful in what you're doing. The other cool thing I love that you're doing is you have that bike now. I saw that yeah. Facebook photo. He's got like a bike that um, you put the coffee into your bike and you're around the city. And that's like a, it's like a food
2: truck version of taking the cold route to yeah. people. How's that working out? It's good. It's really good. I mean, the logistics of getting around town because that thing steers like a boat. Like after I get off the bike and I drive my car, my car handles just so much better than the bike because it's this huge trike with just hundreds of bottles of, not, nah, I mean, drink exactly, like a hundred bottles of coffee in the front, but that makes it really front heavy and kind of unwieldy. Uh, but you know, I just rented a U-Haul, um, the little trailer that you use for transporting motorcycles, yeah. and I just strap up my my trike to that and take it to advance. You drag that thing behind a bike? <laughs> you are
1: see. That's why he's in great shape. We were just talking before in the air about how strong Justin is, how strong he feels. It's
2: because you're literally biking through the city with a U-Haul behind a oh, bicycle. No, so I, that's not why I'm strong. But you <laughs> know, actually, uh, what I'm doing is I'm putting my trike into the motorcycle carrier, oh, okay. and then towing it with my car to events. Oh, that's awesome. I was previously riding my uh, my trike from Edgewater to, like, center of town, oh my God. and it would take me two hours to get there because the thing's so slow. It's super slow. It's not meant for travel. It's yeah. just meant for men hanging out. Like, exactly. Yeah, how's that been? How's, like, the reception? It's been a little bit. That's that's summer, awesome. I'm just getting noticed, <clears throat> and it's kind of crazy because, you know, I'll be somewhere, and people are like, oh, it's or five, or, you know, just yeah. Like it's, It was really cool
1: to see it from when it was a bottle at Valco BJJ yeah. and then really cool to walk by
2: a restaurant and then see the sticker in the door was like the coolest thing. I was yeah, like, holy smokes. smokes, there it is. It's crazy, like sometimes, you know, I sit back and look at it, it's like the evolution of it. Like I had, this This was a little bit of a sappy moment for me, but I had this crazy feeling one time when I was coming to class. So I started off by just kind of giving the coffee away to everybody at class, because I was making more than I could drink myself and it was I was not gonna throw it away, it was way too good. So I was like, let me just give it to my boys at Jujitsu. Make them happy, and I'll just keep, you know, tinkering. And eventually, I got kind of busy with work. you know At this point, I was working for Metropolis as their uh, a research trainer, so I was training their staff, getting free coffee from them. That's because that's just what they do; they give free coffee beans to everybody. And uh, so I got all this excess coffee to just kind of play with, giving it away. And then at some point, I got too busy at work, so I stopped making keto style at home. And then all the guys at, at the gym were like, hey "Justin, uh, get some of my coffee." Like, I just kept hearing it, like, "Justin, get some of my coffee." And they're like, yo, we'll pay you how much, like how much do you want for the coffee? And I was like, yo, 10 bucks. Like, I'll, I'll take 10 bucks, yeah. That. And it was like, I was doing water bottles for 10 bucks and like guys were just like, you know, picking it up. But I had this moment where I was coming into the gym with my box of water bottles. Cause it started off as me just coming with a few water bottles. Next time I'm coming with a box of water bottles. Feeling kind of awkward, cause I'm just rolling into the gym and the staff are looking at me like, what is this guy doing? Right. <laughs> and uh, I had this crazy moment. It felt like a movie where I was like, like this, feeling of community where I have been doing something that was my hobby, and then my jujitsu family loved it so much that they latched onto it. And it's allowing me to do what I'm, it's allowing me to essentially get ready to leave my job. Like, that's what's going through my mind, is I can start my own business for this. And like, it was this crazy, just like, proud feeling of community where I'm like, just carrying this box, like, this is for all my boys. Like, everybody's got a name on it, you know? It's like, this one's for Christian, this one's for Mo, this one, like, it's like, I love it.
1: I, and your passion, we could all tell your passion, and your product was amazing. And it really is. I mean, we're very lucky our Jiu Jitsu gym has like people could shout out to Jay Valco, who who's, uh, put together such an amazing group of people in an atmosphere that allows everybody to be as close as they are. Um, I have so much support for people there. And I'm glad that it transitioned for you from something you were passionate about to something other people were passionate about and then a business. It's crazy. It feels like yesterday you were giving up bottles but obviously five years is a long time any advice for somebody who's trying to get into a grassroots business because we're gonna you know kind of the undertone of real uh, houses give some advice to um, aspiring entrepreneurs because you've done it in a way where not only were you passionate but you it, it's one of the best grassroots growing a business stories that
2: I've, I've ever heard of um, any advice for somebody trying to do that yeah I mean I would say you know, just look at where you can build the most leverage for yourself. Uh, one thing that I was thinking, you know, because my background is a barista. That's my professional background as a barista. And if you hang around baristas long enough, let's say if you you stash with baristas, you'll see that there's a certain kind of way of thinking about coffee, there's a way of thinking about your, your progression of your career, and there's even a way of thinking about what is good coffee. And, you know, I looked at all those things, and there was a certain that existed within the industry and I was like, I'm not gonna buy that narrative. I'm gonna see where my strong points come into play. You know, I feel like I had a great palate, so that was something I relied on and I had a great feel for what would make other people happy. So the coffee that I made, you know, Keto Black, the flagship coffee, that's not the actual coffee that I drank every day. But I was like, what does what will make other people happy? You know, how can I make the best version of that possible? You know, typically I drink light roasted coffee. But I respect dark roast coffee, and I also said, if there is no one, if, if guys who are great at it don't make it, then only guys who are terrible at it are gonna make it. Sure. So let me go in there, and show people how dark roast is made and make the best dark roast on market. So for me, it was knowing what the levers were. You know, I love that. I, and I coach this sometimes to agents in
1: general. Know your audience, whoever it is. If you're dealing with like a, a real estate, fizzbo or for sale by owner, know your audience. They want a discount go in there with a 6% ask of them, they're going to tell you to get the hell out. You took a look at like the broad scale audience of people who drink coffee and really, it's, it's grassroots, but it was also a very scientific, almost intelligent, very intelligent way of looking at how to grow a business, especially when you thought about the scaling of the business when it came to cold brew versus hot brew or warm brew. Um, I love it. So you got some samples for us. Yes, I'm really excited yeah. about that. So, he's got some samples. He's going to put some stuff together. Um, hopefully, these uh, two guys who we're going to announce in a second don't get uh, too hot for coffee and just stare at each other. I'm right getting excited. That's for the events. They've just been staring at, fight staring at each other with like an angry stare the whole time, ready to go. Um, so, the brew that you're about to give us, what
2: is it? Is it uh, just a regular Coyote Black? So, uh, my first one that I'm going to get you started off with is going to be the Red Credo Black. Okay, cool. uh, that's just kind of an anchor for your understanding of what I'm doing. And then I brought some other coffees, which are the coffees that I would typically drink myself. Very interesting coffees, uh, some from Central America and South America, some from uh, Africa. And awesome. we're just going to get some really cool experiences going. So, I'm um, excited.
1: While he's doing that, guys, next Thursday, May 17th, the Real Estate Rumble, the Charity is for the kids, it's amazing. Um, show up, sell it out, every year it sells out. Last year we had almost 1,000 people. It's the number one real estate charity in Chicago. They raised $75,000 last year, which is insane.
3: I think they're shooting to do $100,000 this year. There's still some tickets available. I think sponsorships are
1: sold out. If uh, Ryan Potter, if you're listening, and hopefully you are, because we are um, talking about the Real Estate Rumble, Comment in the comment section, if you can. Um, if your sponsorship opportunity is still available, so that um, people who want to sponsor can. I've sponsored before. I'm gonna sponsor again this year. It's a really, really, really cool event, and um, people are getting out there. They're in shape, uh, getting in shape. Some of them are in shape, but some of them are getting in shape, and um, they're gonna punch each other in the face for the kids. All right. So let me show there them is. this. Yeah, let me show them this cool bag. John, can they see this?
0: Yep, give me one second. Hold it up just a little.
1: My T-Rex arms can't get that much closer. (laughs) No, it's fine, I zoomed (laughs) in. You're good, you're good. It's really cool. Um, This is what Johnny actually in our office takes to his open houses. And he takes this thing to his open houses and he's got all this information on it, gives it away as a gift, it's it's really cool. So I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce what's happening here. Yeah, sure, so is my camera
2: here? Yeah, you can. Okay, cool, yeah, so this is the Main format for the pouch, uh, and basically, I just take this, uh, fill it up with concentrated coffee, and I mail it to all 50 states. Cool. So, uh, uh, it's got on the back. Up on it, so yeah. instructions on the back. Yeah, instructions on the back, and then it's just got an easy uh, spot that you pour from. And uh, it flattens out when you dispense, so instead of uh, opening it like a bottle and then closing it and it gets right. air on top of it, uh, this just flattens out and never lets any new air in, so that keeps it fresh for three months. Wow, so it's got a big shelf like.
1: Although nobody is going to wait three months to drink that. It never happens. I'll pass this over there. (laughs) So we got some comments. Zachy (laughs) or Zaki, said, I love Justin, His coffee is amazing. Thanks, Zachy. Xavier said, can you tell us how and where to get it? That's actually a great
2: question. Uh, So you can go to kibistockoffee.com and uh, order it. Uh, I'll just mail it out to you. And if you go to my about page, you'll see all the locations in the city of that area awesome um we have nice chicago flag volume on microphone tim
1: said he said guest mike and mo something about our volume i think we figured it out already cheers guys cheers cheers Cheers. thank you john gets one too yeah cheers cheers and then uh luke Stoyov said mo has a nice radio voice sounds smooth and sexy
3: (laughs) smooth like this coffee
1: So do you ever recommend people mix it with sweetener or not? Is there any recommendation on how to
2: have this, or do you just have it straight? So my approach to coffee was, I was going to just simply make the best cold brew that I can make and have a perfectly balanced coffee that regardless of what you do with it, it's gonna remain perfectly balanced. And then from there, it's really up to you to decide just what you wanna do for yourself. Cool. Um, somebody said, do you have decaf? Uh, I make decaf, it's hilarious. So, oh, sweet. Yeah. Decaf decaf. Uh, just order on my site and then say hey could you make the PCAP and I'll do that. Cool. So what else do we got? So I'm going to
1: move on to while you're doing, um, you're setting this up we'll bring you back in when you are get the next round. Um, I'm going to bring on uh, Brendan Nestor next and then actually you know what I'll bring you guys both on. Um, we got Brendan Nestor from Coldwell uh, Banker and uh, we got Joe Phelan from Compass Mortgage These two guys are um, kicking butt in the real estate industry, so we're going to talk a little bit about real estate and then we're going to get into the um, the real estate bubble. Well, Brendan, you got your start in real estate recently.
4: You were an entrepreneur before that. What were you doing before that? Well, real quick, before I get in the ring with Joe, I'm going to (coughs) get these keto (laughs) (laughs) plaques. But no, before before real estate, I was uh, in the uh, daycare industry and it's you know you hear about that and it's like well guys in the daycare industry what's going on so my grandmother actually uh, started a company back in the 60s and uh, took off um, her children opened up their own schools and kind of passed this awesome business entrepreneur spirit down throughout the generation, uh, generations and um, so my cousin's own schools, my brother's own schools and I opened up a few centers in the city a couple years back and uh, you know, my third year, you know, a couple years, went through the ups and downs of going through a business, small business, and third year really uh, took off. And uh, you know, I wanted to do some some investing in real estate, and so I got my license. And uh, you know, like fade or you know whatever you want to call it. Two months later, I was approached to sell my schools, and um, you know, it, it fit. You know, everything fit with the uh, with my partners and things like that. So I sold, and. Uh, and went, you know, uh, all in real estate, and uh, you know, in doing that, um, I really found my my passion, if you want to call it that, networking, connecting with people. My my father was a builder, um, and uh, I really it was real estate was always there, kind of in the background. But going through the uh, the ups and downs, and going through the hustle in the real estate industry, in the business, uh, I really kind of found myself my new passion, and really felt like this is it for me. I love that. You know? So and.
1: A lot of realtors, I think, I coach and train a lot of realtors, and I think the biggest missing piece for realtors is something you obviously already have, and it's that they think of themselves as salespeople, not as a business owner. Right. And that's, you know, having that, you already have the understanding because you've been successful in business, but having that understanding and then transitioning to real estate, I think is gonna be really cool.
4: Yeah, and I think that's one of the most important things, uh, you know, being a new real estate agent, you know, obviously you you coach that too, but. Teaching uh, new agents that this is a business, and you can't look at it like, oh, you know, what did I do in my first six months? What did I do in my first year? You know, you're in this two to five years for your growth, and then you know, then it might start rolling in. But I mean, if agents start looking at that, like, you know, you got to be all in for the first five years at least, and you know, that'll help them feel better about it.
1: Yeah, I, I every agent looks at like you know the top agents in the city, and they're like, I want to be that guy, and they want to be that guy yesterday. They don't realize that person. Like you look at Jeff Lowe, he did a um, YPN breakfast a few years ago. And he said, I've been at this for 20 years. I've been consistent for 20 years. But you get a lot of people who obviously have ambition, and that's great, but they lack the patience to do it for long enough to become successful. It's like um, I always tell our agents, becoming a bodybuilder or someone who's got a great body or a physique is not difficult in theory. You work out really hard, you eat well. It's just most people don't want to do it consistently for long enough or don't have the drive, and it's the same thing with business and real estate. They're really excited for a month, two months, maybe six months, but then on seven, eight, they stop doing it, and that's what stops them from being successful. So I love that you already have that. What made you um, become passionate about real estate? Was it because your dad was
4: a builder? You know what? No, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I I think just overall, just connecting with people and, uh, you know, kind of what, you know, with the keto black, just making you know people uh, happy about you know the, the situation or what they're going through. He does it through coffee, you know, uh, finding someone a home where they can raise their family and create memories. Um, you know, is 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 kind of it for me, uh, and then just obviously the overall connecting. Kind of yeah, it's awesome. Um, so we got another coffee
2: here. What do we got? Yeah, so this one is uh, a Brazilian coffee, which is so my my flagship. Blend is uh, half Brazilian, half Guatemalan. Okay. And this is just a light roasted Brazilian coffee from a different farm. Um, it's got like this kind of pastry nose, like it smells like baked goods. Okay. And uh, it's kind of nutty. So I'll let you enjoy that. Is as it right here? Yeah, that's it right there. So I am going to get your take on it. Sure. Sure. Cheers. John, you don't get one. Damn. Oh, John's is right oh, John's
4: oh, here. Oh, all right. I was gonna say will step up. This is the best one. So. sir. <laughs> yeah, Yes, so I brought
2: five coffees in total. So. Yeah, you know what I think it is for me? I think it's I like the cold.
1: I think I just didn't like coffee because I didn't like warm coffee. I'm Persian, so we had tea growing up, and I don't mind tea. I didn't love warm coffee, but I actually
4: like the cold brew. You know what? I'm I'm 100% Irish, and the Irish are very it's tea or coffee, right. you know. So you would to my you know if I would, uh, go to Galway or back home in Dublin, Ireland, of some family's house, they'll serve tea, you tea, no coffee. So yeah. is it Marcus tea? It's just I'm not sure. Okay, I, it's tea. It's just tea. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Because when you walk in the front door, it's like you want a cup of tea. You know, that's that's I don't know. Or whiskey. Yeah. Um.
1: So, what do you think about the real estate market going into the summer? Um, it's I think it's strong, but what do you? Yeah.
4: Think? Well, to be
1: honest with you,
4: I, I'm the same way. We were talking earlier about rates going up, and then the, you know. Um, Inventory, but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, I always tell my list, my, um, my clients who are listening, you know, if we market the property in the way it should be marketed, you know, we get the right buyers in here, yeah. your property's going to sell. Yeah, yeah, every property
1: sells, it's really pricing it right, the right, right marketing. Right. I find that anything that's updated, though, moves really, really fast right now, but stuff oh, that's yeah. not, it, it just lags on the market a little bit.
4: Right. And, you know, having that conversation, you know, agents or newer agents, to uh, be more specific, having that conversation, not that, that rough conversation, we'll call it that, with, with your clients, listen, this thing's going to get updated, or and this thing, you know, both of these things need to be updated, or it's not going to sell. You know, you have to be honest. You have to be straightforward with your clients and get, you know, give them that respect immediately. Oh, completely, completely great. And
1: um, it doesn't make a lot of sense we're talking about it to rent instead of own yeah, so it's the alternative that he gets renting and it doesn't make any sense,
4: right? No, I completely agree. And you're, I mean, we were talking earlier, you know, you got a property that uh you it you out, and then uh a couple years later it was going for you know how much the mortgage was actually. So, I mean, uh, right now I would recommend buying over renting. Well, let me bring in uh your
1: soon to be opponent, I'm going bring in Joe failing here, um, from Compass Mortgage. Joe has been in the business, he reminded us at the beginning. Years you don't look like you've been in the business twenty six years. Year. No, nope. you have that touch of gray thing going, but you don't look like you've been in for twenty six years. Yeah,
3: right out of college, um, May of nineteen ninety two, I got in mortgage business. That's awesome. Yeah, when you got in, rates were a lot higher than they are now. Yeah, nine and a quarter. So we were in a falling interest rate environment at nine and a quarter, and I think the first few years we were in the you know middle the uh, middle eights was yeah. you know after that, but it was. Um, it was a market for me where, um, and similar to the stories and what we're talking about is, you know, I had to open a business within that business. Um, I had to go out every day, work within the real estate community to generate referral. That's what they told me to do, that's what I was taught to do. It took, you know, similar um, in the way that real estate agents and loan officers, you know, it took me years to build up business. And I, I had a good start, but it, really looking back on it, It really took me years to develop and really have a sustainable business. And um, I stopped originating about seven years ago and got an opportunity to to, um, get into senior management and kind of backdoored into that. And my production team still exists. Um, Seven years later, uh, they did 85 million about 265 transactions last year so. They're phenomenal. I look at that and say, that's something from a loan officer's perspective, that you can build an annuity, you can build a sustainable business, and you know, for me, I'm I'm not attached to it any longer. They work with me at Compass, um, and that's something I'm very proud of that I was able to give that to them. Um, they had to hire my son when he graduates college, so <laughs> uh, but but I, I was able to give that to them, and they still are able to carry and really do well with that. But, uh, no, that's great. When I mean, you
1: build a legacy business, that's going to continue on, and it's also something Supplemental income streams are so important. They say the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Yeah, which is awesome. But what's also cool about what you've done is you've gone through the ups and downs. So you've had booming times, and then I got out of law school in two thousand nine.
3: I think if you look at your, your a career, you, in sales especially, you have to reinvent yourself. It, it, with technology, it's happening faster. Maybe when I started, it was every three to five years. Now it might be every one to three years. But what I look at, if you, if you go through 9-11 and boom, and what was happening and how easy it was to generate income as a loan officer, no restrictions for lending, and literally, you know, it was a wild, wild west, unfortunately, you know, we paid for that later, but that was, um, you know, at that time, I was about 10 years in the business, and I really focused and worked with the real estate community in Chicago and the western suburbs where I live, and um, we really built a great book of business with agents, so when the crash happened, our income was affected, but, you know, looking back on it, you know, 708, Um, were really tough years away It was the toughest year i ever had in the business Um, and it was a lot of my personal real estate holdings um, made it tough my uh, condos that I built in Downers Grove that are now a great um, um, apartment building and um, and then the mortgage business my income dropped in 60% that year Um, we were able to sustain through it we did you know we did decent volume but um, that was really reinventing, in my mind, that's where we had to reinvent ourselves and things had to change and um, products uh, went away and you really had to get back to what I felt and in, in still feel today is the basics of lending, which is put the customer first, focus on the experience for that customer so that you gain referral, you know? But, um, but yeah, it, you know, in the, I think the other thing that happened in the crash for me was I was running a team. Um, we had hit, we had done 100 million, about 400 deals a year for nine years. That was what we averaged, 120 million. It was great, but I had a team that was really, really good. I became the front person and the rainmaker, if you will, but we were kind of stagnant. We weren't rolling in volume. So that next opportunity for me with, is with a local uh, mortgage company here, um, really changed a lot of and how I got into but, um, management kind of thing, so. I love that I mean that's such a it's an up and down and
1: but, and up again you made a really good point you said that when it went down our income got hit but maybe not like some other people and it's because you had the right foundation in place I am a lunatic about statistics so I went back and I looked at the Chicago Association of Realtors and I looked back at top producers from 2008 through about 14 yeah. and if you look at the top guys and girls they stayed top All of the kind of ones you these fell out of the business and everybody took a big hit. But the people who are good at business, they still gridded through and did really, really well. I'm sure it was very tough. And 60% loss of business is huge. But it's awesome that you had the right foundation to make it through that. In fact, because every market, I get a lot of people because I was a foreclosure defense attorney saying, Do you think a crash is gonna happen again? And I told them, not like the one that happened because your precursors aren't there. People right. don't understand. Like you said, right. he had and awesome, a decent credit score and yeah. so he and we have money. We have the
3: appraisal algorithms God. that protect yeah. the, yeah. the consumer that? now. A lot of things that protect the consumer, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good things that have happened since then.
1: Those precursors aren't there, but markets go up, they go down, they go back up again. It's just, you have to know that. I don't think we're going to crash. You know, you got all those doomsday people like, oh, market's going to crash. I don't think it's going to crash like it did. But even if it cools down and goes back up, that's what markets do. No market goes up forever and stays
3: unchecked. That's normal. That's normal. You know, and as far as home purchase right now, and my experiences is people who are have feel good about their jobs, feel good about what's happening for their future of buying homes. Not it's not, in my opinion, it's not rate driven. Refinance markets are very driven, right? I have a need, I can save money and all that. But purchase, buying a home has a lot more to do with how you feel about your future, what you're looking at, the landscape, am I ready to make a three-year investment on a timeline and maybe I break even, maybe I make money, but yeah, it's definitely better than renting, right? Yeah, sure. um, and, and I look at it as just as, this economy especially is, you know, the buyers, you know, a good house sells. Yeah. We sold our house last year in Elmhurst. We had to drop the price more than I thought we would, but the house was built in nineteen twenty nine. Mm-hmm. It was a nice house, but we're competing against new construction in a price range where I had to drop the price. And thankfully, my knowledge of the real estate business, I was very aggressive on that. we weren't—we didn't own two houses for very long, twenty-six years. in. so we got we'll yeah. a couple more
1: coffees here. And then John, I'm—I'm I'm hearing people say um, working on it. Got some audio problems. John's working on it. Hopefully you guys can still hear us pretty good. It sounds like some people can hear us. I mean, Luke said uh, my voice is uh, sexy. sexy. (laughs) Maybe my microphone's working. Maybe it's sexy because nobody can hear me. Yeah.
3: (laughs) of my girlfriends probably, and she's like, we can't hear you, so it's really, really sexy. (laughs) One thing I want to say about Justin, and it just struck me when he was talking, was I go into this restaurant, and i look at these people and say i'm gonna be better than you yeah, love that. and i've done a lot of interviewing top salespeople um, in my previous life and I, I, that was part of what i did um and i uh, had about three years where i did a round table like this and top salespeople at the top the people that is a best practice that attitude is the attitude of people who achieve great things yeah. like if you can teach that you walk in and you look at an environment and I'm going to be better than that environment in a short period of time. That to me, it, it gave me chills because those are the people who break, achieve great things. You know? And uh, it's just the attitude, it's not, it's amazing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. So what do we got here? Yeah, so
2: this is an Ecuadorian coffee from uh, Passion House Coffee Roasters. Okay. Uh, who were local here in Chicago and uh, they are one of my inspirations back in 2011. Uh, I had a coffee that literally changed my whole uh, just trajectory in coffee. Uh, and it's, it's been like a dragon that I've been chasing trying to find that specific coffee again. But in any case though, um, this is one of their Ecuadorian coffees. So I'm kind of taking you guys on a little bit of a journey. We start off with the dark roast my black chip, Uh and that's mostly chocolate notes, stouty uh, shaped dark chocolate, uh, cognac notes. Uh, the second one was more, it's still Brazil, Brazilian coffee, so it's more of a pastry, caramel, this one, Ecuadorian stone fruit, I get a little bit of lava from it as well. So I'm slowly taking it to this realm of like, kind of esoteric weird places. I love Yeah. Cool. This is awesome. Yeah, so the next one coming up, just passes around, is a uh, natural process Ethiopian coffee. John, we're drinking all this for you buddy, sorry.
1: Your, your audio, is the audio. Uh, whoever Tim is, Tim, thank you so much for continuously letting us know what's going on with the- uh,
0: He's my flag guy, he's Arizona. We have, we have viewers in Arizona.
2: Oh, look at that. We have a house all over the country. So, that's, so this next one is? Yeah, so that's a natural process. Uh, Ethiopian coffee and actually <laughs> gonna that's one. So everyone's going to get two. One, one has more than the other one in it. Okay. And the reason one has more than the other is because I want you to save some. We're going to add some atomic uh, to that. Do so you guys mind if I have more? If I start
3: jogging in place,
2: you're going to punch them and then you get to the
1: crap <laughs>
3: talking <top and laughs> you know, part. I'm not going to need any else for right? yeah, this coffee. My <laughs> um,
2: yeah, we go deep. Okay. okay, so which one am I saving for the tonic? Uh, the one that has more in it. The one that has more in it. Yeah, yeah so just drink some of that and then save some for the, for the tonic. Uh, so these are both uh, natural process Ethiopian coffees. Uh, and you get to taste just the difference between uh, just the two farms. Uh, so coffee is kind of crazy in the sense that there are so many different variables to play with. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a, a long story, but it, it, it definitely goes somewhere. So essentially with coffee, um, first of all, it's grown between the tropics. So every country that exists between the tropics can grow coffee and it just needs elevation and you know like a certain kind of soil composition as well. The thing about coffee is it is uh, highly variable. Like there are so many different sub varieties of coffee. So there are natural existing varieties of coffee, uh, like wine grapes, and then there are also uh, cultivated varieties, uh, cultivars is what they're called. And then uh, there's so coffee originally comes from Ethiopia, that's birthplace of coffee. Okay. From there, it went to Yemen. Okay. In Yemen, if you back when coffee first made it to Yemen, if you were caught with coffee seeds in your possession and you weren't officially allowed to be a, a coffee merchant, it was like a kind of like royal family thing. You'd be killed. Whoa. Yeah but people still managed to smuggle coffee out of Yemen into Central America. That's crazy. And it was just from a small uh, population of plants. You know, There was like one varietal that really made it to Yemen. So most of the genetic diversity within coffee still remains in Ethiopia. Wow. Yeah, 99% of the genetic diversity of coffee exists
1: within Ethiopia. So most coffee that's in South America, like we or Central
2: America, it's not native to. No, it was, oh. it was a transport. Wow, I never knew that. But because the climate uh, is suitable for it, right. it, it worked out. That's insane.
4: Did you guys yeah. know that? Yeah. Right.
2: yeah, I have a lot
4: more respect
1: for coffee. It, it's, um, we had a guy on a few weeks ago um, who was awesome, and he was we were talking about wine. And um, he took us kind of through the process of wine. And I've seen the process of beer. I've been at a hops farm and seen how much work goes into it. Every time I have the last beer, enough. Well, a lot of work went into being able
2: to have this, and then now with coffee, there's so much that goes into it. It's crazy. Yeah, and then to add another layer of complexity to that, you have uh, processing. So processing is basically how you take that cherry, because coffee is the seed of a fruit that grows on a shrub. And seed of a fruit that grows on a shrub. Yeah, it's like a little bit of a tongue twist there. But in any case, though, um, so the the fruit is called the coffee cherry. And it actually gets used, it gets dried out sometimes and turned into a tea-like drink. Uh, it's called cascara, which uh, it means skin, mm-hmm. because it's a coffee skin. And uh, essentially, you take that fruit from the seed, you remove it from the seed, and then you have to dry that seed out, and you can roast it. Interesting. And that's, so coffee is technically a spice. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's kind of wild when you think about just what coffee really is. It's
1: insane. You take it for granted because you yeah. drink it and you go to a Starbucks or something, or you get your Piedmont black and you drink it, and you have no idea how much goes into it. Yeah. how much my it is. it's mind boy. It's yes. mind um, blowing. So, Brendan, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you: uh, a few weeks ago, we were talking about kind of how schools are affecting learning, and, and you were doing it at a, a preschool level, so it was very ground up. Yeah. Any thoughts on how schooling is going? people for being a business owner or being in the job market? Because it's something we were discussing a few weeks ago and I think it's a pretty
4: cool topic. Yeah, you know what? Uh, well, being in the preschool industry, um, what my schools, when I have them, uh, what we prepared children for was the next level. So a lot of schools are just, you know, the daycares or playtime, whatever. We really had a program that um, allowed the children to, to learn um, to be prepared for for, for first grade, or second grade, or third grade, and to uh, to really flourish in their next uh, in the next at uh, the next level socially, emotionally, uh, physically as we had you know as our, uh, um, fitness programs and and intellectually. Um, so for me, and uh, my expertise was just that you know six weeks through five years, giving them that solid, extremely solid foundation to where. They can achieve anything, and have that mindset, that business entrepreneur mindset. They, you, you know, it doesn't matter. You can achieve anything you want. Um, and we built that strong foundation in them, uh, you know, from the time they were infants. So a lot of our children were going on to you know, um, schools. They had to test and do. They were having interviews with, you know, their headmasters or whatever, and getting into these schools. And really found that we had this fantastic program. Um,
1: I think that's really important. What you said with getting somebody prepared for the next step, which is what you guys are doing. Right. But I feel like that's the maybe that's the key when you're in high school getting yourself getting a program that properly prepares people for the next step, and then when you're in college, yeah. properly preparing you for the workforce. Right. No knock on law school. When I went through law school, it didn't prepare me at all to be an attorney. I got out of law school, I went my own law firm. I had no idea what I was Right. Some of my early clients or my Facebook friends are like, Wait, we paid you, you didn't know what the hell you're doing. Right. But I really didn't. I would go and sit in court and learn because nothing prepared me for it. So I think that kinda hit the nail on the head to prep you for the next
4: thing. Right. And then experience as well. Uh and then, you know, my me being my first year in real estate, uh, this past year, um I try to get as much experience as I possibly could. Residential sales, rentals, commercial sales, commercial pieces, land. Uh, I really tried to get my hands in absolutely everything I possibly could because uh, you know, I just wanted to first of all figure out what was my niche or my thing. And then secondly, I wanted to be able to have an intelligent conversation about commercial, residential, you know.
1: You definitely don't come off like you've only been doing it a year. And I coach and train realtors and we, we got a ton of I coach and train like sixty five of them and you when you're talking about real estate and it must be because you've yourself in learning about real estate. Yeah. You definitely don't sound
4: like you've really been in it for. A right. Time. Well, you know what, too. Um, I had I, my first year, and this is uh, this is hard to get to in real estate. because time is money. As a mentor, you know. So I I myself onto a guy who was committed to. Hey, this is how this goes. This is how the contracts go. This is this stuff. And I was able to learn at a much quicker pace um, than most new agents. And uh, just being in business, I know the value in there. Hey, Get yourself to a mentor who's with a mentor who's going to coach you up and you know take you to the next level we're talking about
1: I love that and we talked about that a few weeks ago about one of the two people on the show that talked about their tip for entrepreneurs was get a mentor and learn from them because if you don't have that it's silly and most things especially in real estate the path to success is out there we can see what all the best agents are doing you just have to learn it all right, so we are going to start talking crap in a second here. Awesome. Um, yeah, Jim, John's telling me don't talk crap yet because he's uh, working the audio, and I think we are trying to work the videos so that we can get the actual mm-hmm. Rock'em Sock'em robots going. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, let's talk about the coffee so that we can get the videos all set up. What do we got here now? So we're, we're go tonic in. Yeah. yeah, we're go.
2: Yeah, excited. so basically, um, I just added some tonic water to the second Ethiopian coffee that you had. Right. Uh, which is just a real simple refreshing drink. I like to do uh, coffee wow. and soda every morning. You know, I don't necessarily do tonic because it has sugar, but I'll do just sparkling water with it. Yeah, that's good. that's yeah. good. That is so good. Yeah, It's I like never thought of mixing those two. It tastes like colors. It's, you know, you it's super... You
1: know. The travelers have cool. a taste. Yeah. <laughs> so you can actually tonic. So yes. Yeah. tonic water yeah. and, and just 365 tonic water. Yeah. 365 tonic water and coffee. Yep. God, really good. It's really refreshing. This exactly. is perfect for a when it gets warm out. You know, yep. Like coffee, coffee. spritzer. We're gonna we're gonna ha- have a bunch of this at Main
2: Street for agents because this is this is great. Yeah, so uh that competition that I won, I think this is part of the reason why I crushed it, because you know I was serving my straight-up coffee and then I was serving a tonic alongside it, and they got to see like, first of all, who's doing this? They're like, wow. What? The most common question I got was why? Why are you putting panic water? And I was like, just drink it. And they're like, oh, that's why. And you're everything. innovative.
3: Thank right. you.
1: That's such a big piece of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're constantly researching, and constantly evolving. Whereas most people, you're successful. You're, your your coffee is very, very successful, and you could just leave it as is and say, hey, I got a successful cold brew. But you're constantly evolving, which is so cool. And like Joe was mentioning, you know, he's constantly evolved his business. And he's you know improved it, but. You're doing that with the coffee. It's really cool. I love. John hasn't had one. He's looking at us with a frowny face. <laughs> he hasn't been able to have any of this um, the last two or three coffees. So that was really, really good. I'm gonna finish it. Yeah. Start. Can, can we start having them top crap now?
0: Uh yeah sure. I uh, have no problem with that whatsoever.
4: Uh, well, you know, real, real quick, I just want to get into uh, you know Ryan Cotter and the guy who's running this whole thing, uh, the Real Estate Rumble. You really try to put me and Joe up against each other and have this enemy kind of thing. Wait, a minute, but when we announced this,
3: or before, or Prior to when when did they stage our meeting in December? How far is the He's
4: a little mad scientist behind this whole thing.
3: How how, how many months has this been going Well, you know what?
4: Was there know. ever
3: a guy my age that I was supposed to box with this? I'm not even sure so. if there was a guy.
4: I'm gonna did let you know a little secret. Okay. Did they make? I just want to know. How I'm gonna thing. Huh? We're
1: we're totally messing Cotter up here, but Cotter offered me to box you when he didn't have somebody for you for a couple seconds, and I said, "Well, he's You're, training really hard. You're, but you've got tons of experience. You're not tons of boxing experience, but I mean, I've been boxing with a boxing coach for a long time since right. we were the And you sparred and all, been all and a ton of sparring. Yeah. So that's that's lots rumble. And yeah. cool. I told Cotter, I was like, "Come on, don't make don't make him do that he's training hard put him up against somebody who you know he's going to have a fair match with and Carter was like come on it'll be fair you guys will, you guys will get in there and I watched video on you and Lally had taken a video and you were really good so when he told me to to box you I was like this isn't going to be fair for him and then I watched videos like you're training hard you look good I, so Brendan he's I've seen video on
3: him like hopefully you haven't seen any. I haven't There's seen anything any video. look I um so but I went to dinner with um, Ryan Cotter and Adam McClain who was talking real estate humble yeah. in November, and they, you know, s- s- put some sunshine on this whole thing and said, "You're going to get in shape. It's going to be a great experience." And I like like adventure channels. I'm the first guy to do tough Mudder, triathlons. You know, half marathons. Just you know, I will get out and do those things. You know, you want to go climb a mountain? Let's go climb a mountain. Um, so I looked at it that way, I accepted the challenge, um, and, the, and at the same time, one of my best pals from college, his old police partner started Gregory Boxing in Des Plaines. So I thought, hey, I got a, you know, I've got a friend that knows boxing and I'm gonna do this. What I didn't know is Gregory Boxing is set up to train amateur and professional fighters in Muay Thai and boxing. I never entered that world. You just talked about the gym and the culture and how cool it is. I'm part of that now at Gregory Boxing. I get the culture. I get the this is much more of, to me, um, you know, it's become more of like the feeling of martial arts and the way I'm trained. Um, And so, you know, I'm I'm asked to do a few things uh, next Thursday. It's very simple. It's my first amateur fight. Um, Throw straight punches. um, Stay light on my feet. Breathe. He's yep. he's, um, he's he's BSing. He's no, I don't, I don't. We haven't really because I even avoid the advanced classes um this week because I didn't want to confuse myself. But but this but the reality is is in with Brendan, um, you know, we've met, we like each other, you know, when we met we're we similar guys who grew up on the south side where both we look like we could be brothers for god's sake so we do. yeah you know what so i think you know next Brendan year uncle not brother well, <laughs> well, so well yeah older brother uncle i'll take that <laughs> um but i look at it and go you know next year if we do this again we fight other people right um this year you know i don't i mean i just you know i think he's a great guy i'm gonna get in and i was trained to to do something that i've worked really hard at and got into. So. You know that that's kind of how I look at it the the opponent part um I've got my ass whooped in sparring by guys who are sparring to fight real fights and I know what that feels like and not that Brendan can't put a whooping on me but he you know these guys are it's different you know they're they're going in I mean I bought a kid who's 20 years old who tried to knock me out and I took his punches and I didn't get knocked out I I didn't spar for a couple weeks but i know you know i know what it's like yeah. to, to have a mild concussion from sparring i'll put it that way right
4: and well i think uh it's important for all the guys in this to know that you know if you have not boxed before the first time you do get popped in the mouth you know your your game plan kind of goes out the window because yeah. you really don't you're not you're not prepared for that well we talked about it so you
1: boxed and wrestled justin has uh done grappling and, yeah uh, boxing as well and so by it's weird with grappling you can so if Justin and I were grappling, and kicked my butt. But we could have varying levels of intensity, mm-hmm. and it's you know. And, and if I get in a lot of trouble, I'll tap out. Right. The humbling thing about boxing is, if you are in trouble, there is no tapping out. It's it's a it's a weird. The, the first couple times I got my butt kicked in sparring, it's a weird feeling because in jujitsu, like you'll put up a fight and then you'll tap out, or in wrestling, you said you get pinned. Right. But in boxing, when you're getting hit, it's a completely helpless feeling. Yeah. especially when you got a couple minutes left yeah. in the ring. The yeah. nice thing about the real estate rumble is it's 90 seconds right. um, which I think goes by relatively slow. Um, it feels longer than it is sure. because you guys are going at it for 90 seconds. In three minutes, you're nobody can go a million miles an hour for three minutes straight, at least no amateur can. Um, for 90 seconds people are like, well fuck it, we're just going to just let our hands go and then they're like, oh my god, I'm gassed out yeah. because they don't pace themselves right.
4: Right, so I, you know, I um, Ryan had come to me, you uh, know, we met uh, a couple months back, and we were talking about the boxing rumble and on a win. I was like, hey, you know, if a player backs out, I'd love, you know, just call me in and I'll fight Joe. I'll always <laughs> fight Joe Fallon because you know what was that But um, <laughs> uh, you know, so he calls me out the day of the weigh-ins and he goes, Brendan, I need you to come down to the city for this weigh-in, this press conference. You know, he told me he'd help me. And I'm like, all right you be killed me. so I'm like, you know what I'll be there And I'm like, just make sure I'm fighting Joe family. I didn't say that but he made sure he made sure that it sounded like that, apparently so um, but yeah, for the last month uh, I've just been really um, trying to get in shape. Uh, we were talking about um, you know doing some sprinting workouts, but um, I'm working with uh, trainer Eric McElroy in the Southwest suburbs. Um, who really uh, has been kicking my ass and really trying to get me in shape for he's a great trainer.
1: So if somebody drops out that's light, we can put you in there, Justin. Know, yeah. yeah, I mean, Nobody <laughs> Justin, wants to take I mean, Justin, Justin last minute. That's you
4: know, not going to work out. No, no. well. So I, I mean, last year, last few years, do fighters back out like that day have?
1: So one of the worst examples of that, shout out to Jordan Powell because he is a tough, tough dude. He had two opponents drop out right before the rumble. And they were trying to find Jordan. Jordan had never boxed before, but he's young, he's athletic, he was working really hard. And <laughs> I didn't know who his new opponent was, and it was a guy from Oakley who had won the Golden Gloves that year. Uh-huh. Oh, so man. I didn't know. And then I go oh. to the other locker room, and I sparred with him at uh, Franklin Street, and I see him wrapping up. I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I'm the first fight. I was like, oh, shoot. Man. So I didn't know what to tell. Jordan, because I didn't want him because he's already gloved up. He's warming up, and I I didn't know what to tell him. I'm like, oh, this guy won the Golden Gloves. He would have
3: yeah. F- for yeah. yeah.
1: So I pulled his coach, coach Quick aside. I'm like, uh, the guy's boxing is really, really, really good. Won the Golden Gloves this year. And what do you want to tell me? He's like, well, let's just tell him he's got some experience. And I said, straight punches. Don't get crazy in there. He's good. And I told um, the guy who was boxing. He's never boxed before, don't go out there and stop him in the first round, don't do that. But he took it to Jordan, Jordan broke his nose but he lasted all three rounds. And at the end of it, you could tell he was irritated that he didn't win. I was like, you just went three rounds with the guy that won the gloves this year. And he's really, really good. So that was the craziest last minute drop-out story. But Connor does a really good job as much as we're joking him on trying to make sure that people are matched up. John's gone around and He's videotaped so many different people, so he has a good handle on who's good, who's not good. Um, and I've gone in, this year I've, i moved to the suburbs, so it's tougher for me to get in this bar, but I used to go from you know place to place to place this the bar with some people, so that we wouldn't have a mismatch. But neither one of you two are going to drop out last minute, so you're not no, going to get a goal. Well, you we can't now. We right. can't now. No, yeah. yeah. So, um, John, can they see the Rock'em Sock'em robots, or do you want me to hold it up? Are we going to do both? Nope. no, I got
0: a, I got a camera. I got a camera case uh, so yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. well, all
1: right, guys, uh, we got a uh, Brendan on the blue side, and uh, Joe you got the red side. Can you see it
3: Yeah. All right. we uh-huh. ready? Uh-huh. are ready to go. Uh, uh-huh.
1: Place your bets, there we go.
2: In the comments, place
4: your bets. Yeah, place you your bets. Can we tap gloves? You guys have fighter nicknames? Like, we do have fight Joe face. Uh, Fighting Joe Phelan against uh, Brendan, the Irish Hitman Master. Nice. Yeah. The Hitman. Yeah. All right. On the count of three.
1: Three, two, one. Oh, that was a tie. That was a double KO. I like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, we're, we're
3: going to yeah. leave it as yeah. even. Yeah. That sad. was the most even. Wow. You
1: guys don't like one punch knockout each other right I right was again, just throwing man. my jab. Yeah.
4: What, is that Rocky 3 or Rocky Rocky, 2 from Apollo and then go ahead and do that. Rocky
1: gets up faster. Yeah. So I think we're out of time. I think we're at an hour. So to wrap up, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on. Um,
2: For those of you, um, what's the website again from Kyoto Black? It's KyotoStyleCoffee.com or just Google Kyoto Black. I'll be the first, second, third, fourth. You'll be the only man. I'll be the
1: only one. I love this. I learned so much about coffee today, and I love your passion. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to be in literally every spot in Chicago before we know it. So, congratulations! That grassroots growth of uh, Kyoto Black has been one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So, um, thanks for coming on, Brendan, Thanks for coming on. Yeah. I love the fact that you know you're a year into real estate, but it sounds like you've been in for ten years and. Um, I want to have all three of you guys back on sometime soon. Yeah, I appreciate that. Good luck training in the next week.
4: Yeah, yeah, we'll take care of it. Uh,
1: Fighting Joe.
4: Yeah. You're,
1: so not a lot of trash talk happened. You can tell no. you
4: guys like each other, which is- Yeah, like, there's, there's a lot of respect. You, I, you know what I learned,
3: though, with the, with the training was respect, respect and humility. Like yeah. It's not, I'd I, I really look at it as, you know, a lot of things could happen. Um, I've been trained to do a couple things. If I do those, I feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's more important to me and what I do for Wayne and Jason. Tommy, you train me. That's the most important thing for me in this. It's funny. It didn't start out that way, but once I got into that culture, and I'd recommend I mean, it's, it, it you, you know, getting in and sparring and training like that, um, yeah, it's changed my life for the better. The level of respect in martial
1: arts, I mean, our jiu jitsu coach Jay always says, just go out there and do your best. I'm not going to be upset if you lose. You just have to go out there and represent yourself in the school well, and yeah. then that's it. And it's, I, even when I first started martial arts, I, used to, I started when I was four when I was in karate, but first couple of jiu jitsu tournaments, even, I was like, dang, I'm going to mess this guy up. And I'm like, a white like, What am I doing? And now right. you shake hands, and it's a respectful thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a really cool thing. I don't know you guys yeah. can know that, too. Yeah, I
2: mean, the most hugs you'll ever see is that in jiu he has <laughs> yeah, a bunch like, of dudes rolling yeah, out, of out of each other yeah I mean like after every match just like you know good job yeah. to your opponent you know right. because you might visit his gym the next week and train with them and you know there are no hard feelings because you're all just sharpening each other Right. Yeah.
4: And, oh, yeah. sorry you, know, and you right. talk about uh, representing you know in this case we're representing Big Brothers Big Sisters Charity and right you know I because my background working with children uh, I, you know it's not really about the trash talk it's about you know, getting in shape, put on a fun show for everyone, but more importantly, raising the money for Big Brothers Big Sisters.
1: And that's that's the big key. And thanks for bringing that up. Next Wednesday, uh, next Thursday, at uh, the um, Park West Real Estate Rumble, guys. Again, tickets are available. Go to John www.realestaterumble.com. Chicago Real Estate Rumble. Chicago Real Estate Rumble.com because we are going to be going national with this thing. Buy some tickets. Hit up Ryan Cotter. He doesn't have any free ones, so don't don't try to shake him down. People try to shake him down every year. They try to shake me down for him too. I don't have free tickets, so don't call me with free tickets.
3: It's a charitable event. Charitable event. event. <laughs> yes, paid for your
1: ticket. My money I, goes to the kids. But I'm not kidding you. Every year I get a twenty text messages like, "Hey, you got some free tickets to the Rumble? Like, don't buy your damn tickets." So next Thursday, um, get your tickets. Next Wednesday, we will be back on. Three o'clock central. We're going to have on the real estate rumble crew. We're going to have on Ryan Cotter. We're going to have on Rick Pekarski. We're going to have Albron Hannah, who's going to fly up from Miami for this thing. Um, and John and I will be with you guys next Wednesday again at three o'clock. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. This was a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, the audio wasn't all too bad. It'll
0: get fixed. It'll be fixed, It'll by, next be fixed week. By, next, by next week. I promise. People
1: are saying they can still hear us. So I hope you guys uh, had fun. I sure did. I'll see you guys next week.
0: In three two.